everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Up with the Chaldeans. It is my honor to introduce our guest today, Rafid Yeldu, along with my friend and co-host Anthony Toma. We have a great show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about everything from the Help Iraq program that this gentleman does to many other things, along with this really cool event that he's now gone on to his fifth annual, December 5th, at uh, Shenandoah. And we're going to get into it, let him talk on it. How are you doing, Rafid? I'm blessed. How are you guys? Same no, thing. Rafid. Blessed. Thank doing you good. for Thank having you. me. This yes. is great. I've watched a couple of your episodes. Amazing. You're doing a great job. Thanks Thank you. Wish you the best. Thank you. You're, you're leading us well. No, I don't you're know about that. Well. <laughs> so, it's a team effort always. Let's get into talking about a few things, how everything started and what sure. made Rafid into who he is today. So my name is Rafid Yaldu. I came to America in 1978. Went to school like everybody else. Dropped out in the middle of high school like most people to help mm -hmm. the family with our business and to help begin our life in America. It mm -hmm. wasn't easy, but we're blessed always. God always has a hand in all our plans in life. Yep. Fast forward, got involved in charity in early 90s, a group called Keiko at Mother of God. Yep. Um, amazing things we did over there. And then later on, when the first invasion, U.S. invasion of Iraq, I think over 500,000 people were forced out of Iraq. Wow. Um, that was in 1991? No. Or no, no. I'm sorry. I should say the second invasion in 2003 when the more of the, of the Islamic elements took over the government of Iraq and they okay. stopped anything that has to do with alcohol, whether it's restaurant, hotel business. Um, as you know, most of our people were into that business. So they came in and said, no more of that pretty much forced a lot of people out. And when Basil Bakal and others, we go do speeches and that. Uh, before 2003, there were 2 million Christian Iraqis in Iraq. Today, there's less than 200,000. Yeah. So mm. that's aren't, we, a, aren't we beating them in population now in Detroit because of that? That's what I've understood from um, Mary Romayo said that. Yeah, I, I did not know that. I'm yeah. sorry. But um, so... I joined a few groups, a group called Coach, where we helped a lot of refugee kids that were coming to America, mm -hmm. but they were not accustomed into the American way of life. So we would hold classes for them, things like how do you respect the law, uh, hygiene, anything that has to do with the customs of here that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. We would help them. A bunch of volunteers uh, was at St. Joseph Church, and we also rented a school back in the day to help out, and then I moved on to adopt a refugee. But even before that, we had a lot of our Chaldean refugees were struggling here, and they couldn't even go to church. They didn't have the means to even go shopping. And so I helped start an organization, which is called Project Hope, that helped these kids and recruit volunteers to go and, and take these people, let's say, shopping, but you know, to buy food and basic things, sure. basic needs of life, take them to church. Yeah. Also help a lot of the First Communion kids that didn't have any way to get to, we didn't want them to miss First Communion because, sure. as you know, I mean, that's the basics of our faith. Right. You don't want no child to go without First Communion. Mm -hmm. Later on, joined Adopted Refugee for over 10 years, worked hand-in-hand mm -hmm. hand with Basana. You know, we did amazing things. They still do great things um, which is $100 a month you adopt a family financially yep. outside of Iraq. Jordan, Lebanon, at the time Syria, but as you know what's going on with Syria, it's really difficult with the logistics sure. to try to help families in Syria. Fast forward, 
2014, when ISIS uh, pretty much, I don't like to use the word invaded, but chased people out, yep. gave them that ultimatum, either you convert, mm -hmm. pay high tax, yep. or die. Or die. All of us remember that day on that Saturday afternoon. So a lot of our people were forced out of their homes. We started the organization at, at that time called the Mosul Relief Fund, I believe. I can't even remember. Because it was only around Mosul all that was happening. Mm -hmm. right? But as you know, ISIS did not stop there. Sure. Kept on going to the surrounding villages and pushed forward. And that's when the bishop called me up one day and said, we need a name and we need a catchy name because today I'm doing a prayer. Oh, really? And I need a website in one day. <laughs> so in case people want to donate, find out or whatever. And in one day, my friend Justin um, Stefan created uh, the website Help Iraq. We came up, to be honest with you, I wasn't crazy about the name, but mm -hmm. it is what it is, yep. yeah. helpiraq.org. And as you know now, it became a very popular symbol. Oh, yeah. symbol. I put a team together. Nice. They're the ones. They're the ones who came up with the design and and the colors and all that. And, and you've all seen them on the back of cars. Yeah, back of cars and that. So and all that stuff. I slapped a few on without people knowing, but it's okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's okay. So, and we helped with anything that was needed, whether it's food and water, shelter, electricity. Um, we evolved also into helping with education. And so out of Help Iraq, the bishop had a, Bishop Francis, of course, amazing, amazing man, um, said, this was is he such- a bishop at the time? I'm sorry, yeah. He, he just was. became a bishop like not even two weeks. And then, and then this, ISIS happened. What happened. a welcome, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah, what a welcome. Yeah. What a welcome <laughs> for our beloved bishop. God challenged him right away. Yeah. Amen, amen. So he said, um, it's such a great need. Over 150 to 200,000 people were forced out of their homes, Christians alone. Yes. Um, we can't just take care of everybody here. So right. the idea was let's create subgroups, mm -hmm. and each one focuses on, for example, we started Mercy, volunteer physicians here. He said everybody can fundraise, but not everybody has a talent of a doctor. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So let them focus on the medical challenges of our people. Sure. So we created this group called Mercy. It's volunteer physicians here and other healthcare professionals, whether it's pharmacists, nurses, or whatever it might be from the healthcare industry. So how can someone join that? Well, if they want to, if they want to volunteer. Their so time? I will get to that in okay. a minute if okay. you don't sure. mind. Yeah. Um, we started this group. They started communicating with volunteers on the ground of also healthcare professionals and doctors. So communication mm -hmm. began. We were thinking, hopefully, to send them a lot of supplies, to send them medication. And that's when the nightmare of logistics came. Mm -hmm. First of all, you cannot send medication for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. um, outdated, there's politics over there. They might sit on it on the airport, and then they'll tell you it's outdated. So the best way was to raise funds here, send it to them there, and they would buy the medication there. there. And then they would send us all the receipts. We have all the, we would have all the patient information. Mm -hmm. What do they have? Yep. What kind of medication? And anytime randomly our physicians here or anybody could call. And who was your contact? Like what was the point of contact you were sending this stuff to? Was it physicians yeah. on the ground. Remember, when people were forced out of their homes, yep. it wasn't just poor people on the street. Everybody, yeah, it was everybody, everybody yeah. including physicians, sure. yeah. teachers, lawyers, whoever sure. it might be. So these physicians, as you know, most people were forced out of their homes. 
a lot of them, especially the elderly, they're dependent on medication. Of course. Yes. Well, now everything is lost. Yeah. So now you're in Mosul. I, I'll give you just a brief uh, geography for the people to sure. know how it works and why there are so many challenges. Mosul technically falls under Iraq. Okay. Then there's Kurdistan. Kurdistan is technically part of Iraq, but they have their own independence. They have That's their own north. language. Yes, they have their own language. They have their own army. They have their mm -hmm. own um, monetary system, currency. Yep. But Kurds don't get along with Iraqis or, or Arabs in general. Okay. There's the big war going on. Mm -hmm. So when our people were forced out of Mosul into Kurdistan, sure. the challenges they faced is they don't speak Kurdish. And if you don't speak Kurdish, you're going to be treated as a second, third, fourth citizen. Wow. So yes. aren't these Kurdish... Uh, Kurdistan people, aren't they Catholic? No, no, they're Muslim. No, they're Muslim. Oh, they're Muslim. Kurds and are Muslim, yep. and most of the Arabs are Muslim, but this is a political fight over yeah. mm. over territory. As you say in the news now, for example, the Kurds always wanted their own independence, yeah. not just northern Iraq. If you yep. look at the map, they want part of Syria, part of Turkey, part of Iran. They've been striving for that forever. We've even had a civil war years ago in Iraq. Pick one and fight your battle. We well, fight well, with everybody. Well, no, they're established in northern Iraq. It's not bad, mm -hmm. but it's not technically a country. Right, right. So they're still at war with each other, maybe not with bullets. Mm -hmm. But, again, if you don't speak Kurdish. Yes. So it became very difficult for our people, for the kids that were displaced. They don't speak the language. They can wow. only speak Arabic. In Kurdistan, it's either Kurdish and some schools are English. So these are the challenges. So some of our doctors, we had makeshift clinics mm -hmm. in different areas at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. In northern Duhok, we had few of them. We had few in Erbil, al Qush, different villages where <clears throat> they were seen together over 1,000 patients a day. These are all displaced, and not just Christians. Any other displaced that needed it, mm -hmm. they would not turn them down. This is all with our help, with our help excuse me. We would allocate close to $5,000 a month per clinic. They would buy medication and give these people the medications that they need. Just curious. How does the dollar, does yeah. the dollar value work here to there? Because 5000 yeah. God bless for the 5000 sure. but it doesn't sound like a lot of money. No. It doesn't, but it's, it's a lot. Especially like I in said, the medical field. You right, know what I'm saying? right. Because you have one That's person. That's the best that we can do. And remember, they were helping 1,000 patients a day. But right. I think what he's asking is. But what, so if, for $5 a day, they can help? A thousand patients. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand a, 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 a month. month. A month. And, and that's what I think he's getting to is where our dollar values are different. Where like a hundred can stretch them for so long on a monthly when we do the dollar end. go a long way there. Yeah. Or? Uh, yes, but I don't look at value too much with the currency. Uh -huh. It's the item. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the item. How much do you buy a hamburger here versus there? It's right. usually about the same. Okay. Okay, but you get generic medication, and sometimes we would have hard time. Like if a patient needs even more expensive medication, yeah, I don't know if you ever remember with your parents, grandparents. Sure, they're so used to that certain bottle. Yeah, you can give them something that's a lot more expensive, Same. and they're yeah. scared. Yeah, they're just used to that certain uh, diabetic medication, yep. blood uh, pressure medication. So there are a lot, of, a lot of challenges in logistics we dealt with. But the dollar, as you say, yes, it goes a long ways. It depends where they're buying it from mm -hmm. too. If sure. you're buying it from Turkey or other places, India. Oh, so you're not buying it actually from United States and shipping it you over can't. to the Middle East, yeah? Because yeah. of the pretty time much to. There's yeah. a lot of restrictions from here and there. I don't want to get too much detail into yeah. uh, 
into the politics because no, sure. people live there, but things get stolen, things get held up. Our people have it tough. Are you able to trust the Kurds? I mean, I've heard We that. don't deal technically with the Kurds. We deal with our own Chaldean but that's position. But that's supposed to be who's protecting us so, in the northern county, right? Good the question. The Kurds want to show the world that we're helping and housing Christians. Again, they need our help here to advocate with the American government for them to continue getting support. Okay. The last thing you want to do is have a black eye yeah. by mistreating Christians. Now, yep. did they give us funding there? No. But what they did, they lifted a lot of restrictions. For example, we had to do a makeshift clinic on the street. Okay. That's not usually allowed. Sure. <laughs> but you had people living on the streets. streets yeah. There was, you know, no housing. So they lifted a lot of restrictions. They didn't give us a hard time with anything. They do work with our people. Some of it is genuine. Some of it, uh, some of it is, political. of course, political. But sure. that's everywhere you go. Of course it is. Because, as you know, when Martin and other groups go to Washington and advocate, and he has a good relationship with the Kurds, they need us here. Yeah. To help advocate for them there, okay. whether it's getting more support from the Americans, whether it's political, where you know help us get yeah. our own uh, country more, you know, power per yep. se, and more separated from Iraq. So basically, that's mercy helping with the medical. Mm -hmm. Then we also started teach. We had um, volunteer teachers here mm -hmm. focus on education. Like I said. These kids could not go to school in Kurdistan for a couple of reasons. First, the language. Number two, there's no room. Matter of fact, they were losing schools because they were housing people in schools. When right. I visited, I saw people mm -hmm. living in schools. So again, we did makeshift schools. So TEACH also raised a lot of funding, and they also raised, uh, like we would collect supplies and ship them, which yeah. we'll talk a little bit later about sure. shipping. Yep. So we would ship these kids school supplies. Mm -hmm. And then funding would go for, let's say, transportation, busing, or the idea is we would hire displaced teachers because they would displace themselves, give yep. them maybe $100 mm -hmm. a month or two. They can earn a little income and they can teach the kids mm -hmm. sure. that are otherwise are not yep. going to go to school. Yep. So that's teach. Um, we also have justice. That's a little bit different. There are more of lawyers here yep. working on legal issues. They were prepared to do, for example, lost... Um, when people were forced out of their homes in the future, if you ever can go and try to reclaim it and help them navigate yeah. the system or even right. here through the UN, anything that had any legal challenges. Well, what happens, just curious, you're saying to reclaim your own home. What happens if we step back in as, I, I mean, not we because I'm living here. What if our um, Chaldean Iraqis that are going back down to Mosul and all that, are they killed because they're trying to get back into their own homes? No. Or? No, no. If you're talking about right now... Yeah, like you're saying, like... Uh, like technically, uh, ISIS is defeated. Technically. Okay. Okay. But people, they're kind of... I don't want to use the word forcing them to go home. Yeah. But they kind of... It was really difficult to continue supporting them. Our diocese in, in let's say, in, in, in Erbil, Bishop Warda, I'm sure you've all heard of him. Mm -hmm. He's done an amazing job. He would get grants from Europe and even America through Knights of Columbus where... These grants were specified for certain things like rent for people. Sure. And when these grants run out, you have no other choice but to tell them, go back to your village. Going back to the village right now, it is safe, but it's never safe for Christians. And I'm talking right. about even before ISIS. Yeah. So going back to the villages, they are getting somewhat help from the Iraqi government to rebuild. Yep. 
but there's still a lot of need for daily necessities. Again, whether it's school supplies, they're helping them a little bit with medicine, but not as much as they should. But the daily ones, it's, it's a struggle, and they have no other choice. So when people are going back to their villages, they're not necessarily going back to their homes because a lot of their homes are destroyed. So where are they going? They're either living two, three families in one home, mm-hmm. or they're living in, let's say, somebody who left Iraq to migrate to the West. Yep. They're either living in that home or paying very little rent to the people who are migrating to, let's say, America, Australia, Canada, Sweden. But, of course, they have to go declare refugee in a third country first, like a neighboring country like Turkey, Lebanon. And, and that's where Adopt a Refugee was, mm-hmm. is still helping uh, people. So another group that was Teach. Then on my third trip, Mosul was inside Iraq like I was telling you. There's another city called Kirkuk. Yep. This was not taken over by ISIS, but it's technically inside Iraq. So the University of Kirkuk said, we can take all the students that used to go to Mosul University. Mm. We will accept them. So our great bishop in, in, in the Kirkuk area, Bishop uh, Toma mm-hmm. is his name, what he did, he got yep. some money from the West again, from mm-hmm. Europe, mm-hmm. rented 10 homes, and would put 30 college students in each house. Mm-hmm. These are college students that are not attending universities. Now they can live in this house. But imagine 30 students living in one home. And when I say one home, it's a small home, maybe <laughs> one kitchen, two small bathrooms. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so they can attend school. One, at least it gets them out of the, if they're living just as displaced being sitting home all day long, mm-hmm. you yeah. don't accomplish nothing. At least here you're continuing your education. Yeah. That's where the idea came to start student to student. I said, college students here, I always used to get messages and calls. How can I help? How can I help? And I thought it was a great idea to get these students together, right? How can we help these kids? How can we help these? And they did an amazing job. They raised a lot of funds. We bought them laptops. We bought them sometimes paying for their rent, food, and and even Wi-Fi, electricity, and, and things like that. Why? I'm a big believer. As they say, there's a saying, you want to teach somebody how to fish so he can fish every day and live instead of giving them a fish fish. every day. These students, when they graduate, most of them are going to be either doctors, pharmacists, engineers. They'll still get jobs, maybe not as much of a pay that they would like, Mm -hmm. but at least they can support themselves and their families. And that's one less family, two or five or a hundred, that you don't have to worry about helping. They got a skill. They got a skill. To stay living. And the crazy thing, believe it or not, a few of them graduated and came back to help us in our mercy program to help people voluntarily. So, you know, God is good. So that's another group I just wanted to bring up Mm -hmm. student to student. And that's the groups under the Help Iraq umbrella. Yep. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So if you want me to talk about CCC. Yeah, let's go to the top of the key, yeah. which is the... CCC. Yep. CCC is, uh, stands for Chaldean Catholic Charities. The bishop had an idea. Instead of every day a different group coming to the bishop and to all our priests or pastors and, hey, can I have a booth today for my group? He said, we will create one booth that will collect on behalf of all these programs mm-hmm. and organizations. What does a booth mean? A booth is when you come into a Chaldean church, we're at all the churches once a month, second Sunday of every month. Mm-hmm. There's a booth, God bless your dad, helps out a lot, okay. where volunteers are there when people come after Mass. Yeah. 
they can donate. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, of course, the priest would make announcements that, uh, you know, our booth is here today if you'd like to donate, like mm -hmm. to help, and you'd like to choose. So when people come and donate at the booth, at all the churches, they can specify their donation. Under the CCC, we have Adopter Refugee, mm -hmm. we have St. Jude Iraq, and then we have Help Iraq and all its subgroups, which is Teach Mercy, student to student, where you can specify and say, I want this to go to Adopter Refugee, for example. I yep. want to sponsor a family every month under Adopter Refugee. Mm -hmm. or. I wanted to go to help Iraq for this project, or I wanted to go for surgeries of people that you guys are helping in the urgent medical need. Now, a lot of people don't specify. They just drop money. I don't care. I don't care. Then it would go to a one CCC account mm -hmm. where we meet once a month, one member from each group, mm -hmm. and we discuss the situation. Again, if one of the groups comes up and says, um, Let's say, for example, adopt a refugee says, now we just had 60 families came in. They're in desperate need. We need to adopt them once a month. We discuss it, and then we would take it from CCC and say, okay, we will allocate this to adopt a refugee. Mainly, we would use it for urgent emergency cases, mm -hmm. um, if I may. Or they could, let's say, for example, the protest right now yeah. that's happening in Baghdad and their need at the time. Uh, we lost communication with them because all the Wi-Fi is cut off, but urgent for medical supplies right mm -hmm. so if we would meet we are going to discuss that mm -hmm. next month and we would say we need to allocate so much and it would go to that because it's an urgent need yeah so that's what ccc is now each group still has its own individual identity right they raise funds outside of the church on their own mm -hmm. right each group whether it's mercy help iraq adopt refugees saint jude it's only when we're in churches we are under the umbrella of CCC. Mm -hmm. So that's what CCC stands for, the Chaldean Catholic Charities. Um, and now who started, the, where that started? By the bishop, Bishop Francis. Okay. He started that. God he made that umbrella. And that's been a big umbrella, too, because you yes. guys are taking care of a lot of stuff. We're trying. I'd like to go back, if we can. Um, let's let's talk about a couple things. Let's first go into when ISIS first came on and everything was in an uproar with the Middle East how you stepped in. Uh, I saw a lot of stuff that you were doing at that time. People didn't realize how dire the need was, what you guys were doing to get the stuff over. And I'll be straightforward with you sitting here in front of all the viewers. I helped you for a little bit, you know, because you're a very close friend of my brother and I watched the things that you were doing. And I had some extra time. But man, I'll tell you what, I can't believe the work that you and the team do. There's so much time and dedication needed that with whatever I put in, it was a little dent. Not even, I had to stop because I couldn't put that time and effort anymore. So how do you do it? Why do you do it? And tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that are the challenges of getting these containers and all this stuff over. Thank you so much for the kind words. But Thank you, though. We well, don't do, do nothing on our own, but the Holy Spirit and God always guides us. Yeah. Um, and we're, it's always a team effort. Nobody can do anything by themselves. Sure. So during, when we were trying to, I'll, I'll never forget, we were at a mercy meeting when we first established mercy. Yep. The doctors thought we should make a trip to go to Iraq and survey it first place. Mm -hmm. So I said, count me in. A couple other doctors said, let's go. The issue with the physicians is, a lot of them didn't know this. When you work for a hospital, you kind of tied in in your contract. They don't usually let you go through areas that is dangerous, okay. unless they're supervising the trip themselves. If it's a mission trip, that's 
by a certain physician's group or by a hospital. Mm -hmm. To go on your own, they, they did not. So I ended up going by myself. <laughs> Were you not trip, scared? Unbelievable. You know what? You leave, I'll tell you what. There's two things that I always had fear of in my life, and a lot of people that know me know this. It's public speaking. I'm terrified. I used to skip school. Gee, anytime there's a speech I had to make, I used to skip school, skip speech classes, never did a speech class all my life, and flying heights. Yeah. So first trip was, I think, three or four flights. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's done, but yep. I'm sorry. With God's mm -hmm. grace, you know, I did it, went to Iraq. That was my Where did you land, trip. though? Where did you land you in? Know, I went through Germany and then through Erbil. Okay. And I had a couple of volunteers there that I was close with only over the phone. But mm -hmm. my biggest fear was not going to Iraq was the flights. Believe it or not, this is the <laughs> thing. Yep. And I'm not trying to be a macho, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But I was so afraid of flying, I didn't have time to think about the other <laughs> right, fears. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the truth. Because you had to get through the flying. Yeah, you yeah. get there. Exactly. Face the other danger. <laughs> Once he faced his biggest fear, right, yeah. he, he went to something. That's great. So I landed there. I went and saw the area. At that time, my first trip, I'll summarize it quick. They were just moving our people from tents mm -hmm. into caravans. For those of you that don't know what a caravan is, it's basically the same thing as a tent, but it's out of aluminum. It's a box, yes. like this room. Mm -hmm. yep. That's the size exactly of this room. I think it's 10 by 12 or 10 by 10, and they would put five, six people living in one caravan. So imagine wow. if you're a young teenage girl and you want to change. Everybody has to go outside. Mm -hmm. You have to share kitchens, you have to share bathrooms, you have to share showers, you have to share hot water. So it's the little things, the everyday things that people take for granted. Right. So I visited a lot of places, whether there were caravans, some of them, I saw a family living in a, in a, in a, in a bathroom. Mm. And you can see, I mean, it was heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Yeah. It's really, really heartbreaking. It's gotta scar you. I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. But at that moment, you don't have time to think. You're just survival moving forward, mode survivor and, mode. Yeah. So we visited quite Adrenaline. a few places and um, to see how we can help. A lot of them were still living in church grounds. Yeah. And they would set up tents. Let's say, like, if you've been to Holy Cross, it has a garden. Mm -hmm. They would put, let's say, 200 tents in there. And you would share only a couple of bathrooms, a couple of showers. So the way we helped there, um, I still remember the bishop said, you're not a good person to go. He knows how I work. I'm not a detailed person. I don't take notes. Sure. <laughs> I'm not detailed at all. People will tell you that work with me. I don't. You just go. I just oversee and I and I observe. Mm -hmm. But to write reports, that's not me. He needed reports, but I still went anyways. So he goes, you know, you're the type. You might see something or you're trying to help here and forget about the overseeing. And he's yeah. right in a way. Because when you see something, your heart goes out to them. Yes. That was basically my first trip, sitting with these people, like the volunteers. I'll never forget one time, sitting with the volunteers, and we were talking. And they were talking about the girls that were captured as slaves. Most of them were Yazidi girls, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As young as 12 years old. The issue was, unfortunately, Yazidis, I just want to give you a brief description. It's, they're about seven to 800,000 people. Mm -hmm. Most of them are in Iraq, and most of them live on top or around this mountain called Sinjar, Singali, they call it. You've heard of Sinjar Mountain, of yep. course, through the news and that, where so many of them were executed and the little boys and young girls were taken captive, right? Now you're asking, okay, they got the girls as slaves, what do they do with boys? I never knew this, but what they do with boys, they would brainwash them. 
Oh, wow. And they're the ones you see. Remember? Soldiers. Military. No, they would go and commit suicide missions. Yeah, oh, like shit. when yeah, you hear in Baghdad, there's a suicide mission yeah, here. That wasn't these cowards. Yeah. That wasn't these ISIS or the soldiers. These are all kids that were brainwashed wow. from other sects. Mm. Because I don't want to go too much into detail. Sure. We tried to rescue a few. I don't want to say how, what, or anything. And one of them had three kids. They were going to go on a mission in two weeks. They had their guns. I had all the pictures in that. We tried Jesus. to rescue them. and Unfortunately, the car flipped. One or two of the kids died. But a lot of these kids... When their relatives would call them and say, we don't want to come back. If we come back, we're going to kill you. They were brainwashed. Mm -hmm. Now they're fanatic wow. into Islam. So these, there was about 300 of these kids ready yeah. to do all these suicide missions and that. So when I was in Iraq, this is why I love being Christian. I love being Chaldean. Sitting with these people who are displaced themselves. I yep. want you to hear this closely. Yep. These are people who are displaced, living on the streets. And you know what they told me a lot of them? Please go help the Yazidis because they've gotten it much worse than us. Oof. Can you imagine that? I can't. <laughs> so that tells you how bad this community had it. So when I was sitting with these people and they would say, listen, some of these, when they're done with these slaves, they would let them call home. You can go home if we can get some money for you. Mm. The problem was their own families were not accepting them. A lot of them had that Arab mentality. She's damaged goods. Damaged goods, yeah. 12 years old who was abducted, you're blaming her? Yeah. It That's boggled it. my mind. So I sat and talked with God. I said, what if we try to do something where we can help, where we, I don't like to use the word buy them back, but if we can yeah. Get these girls back, have we're, our we're Christians, the nuns, or whoever, take care of them. Yeah. And hopefully America, Germany would bring them over. I had a plan. So when I came back, sat with the bishop. This is my first uh, mm -hmm. trip. That's going to lead me to my second trip. My second trip, I, um, when I came back to give my report to the bishop, and then I told him about what's going on, he said, do whatever it takes to help these community. Yeah. Yep. So I said, you know what, I need to go back right away for three reasons. One, to try to help anyway find a solution. Number two, I wanted to go, this was November, my first trip. I wanted to go back in, in Christmas time just to see how these refugees would embrace Christianity being displaced. Mm -hmm. what, how are they going to be, how are they going to accept Christmas? These are non These are Chaldeans, our people. Chaldeans. Oh, so no, that was okay. my second reason to go back. Gotcha. The third reason, the bishop also wanted me to visit Jordan and see, you know, we had a lot of Chaldeans there in need, scattered, just to see if we can get some kind of report. I said, I'm going anyways, might as well. You know, I'm not an official representative or anything Did like that. Did you have any Peshmerga protecting you? or no, I mean, zero. No, you no, were no, just no. going There's, solo? Yeah, but volunteers there would help you. And Kurdistan was a little safe. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about Kurdistan, or anywhere you go in the world, in the Middle East, there they have a lot of checkpoints. Let's say if you want to go from West Bloomfield to Southfield, you probably encounter one checkpoint. From West Bloomfield to Detroit, maybe two or three, oh, right? Oh, yeah. But when they know you're Christian, go. They know you're peaceful. You're harmless. Yeah, yeah. They see you're the peaceful. rosary. Right, right. Some of them speak Chaldean with you, Kurds. Really? You talk to them in Chaldean, go. But if you're an Arab or anything else. <laughs> you're getting stopped. Stop, checked, pulling. You know, there's a lot of weapons. Yeah. They know Christians are peaceful people. But aren't the Arabs themselves? No, Kurds are not. Kurds no. are a different. They turned on us a long time ago. No, no, but they're not Arabs is what he's yeah, saying. No, right. They're not Arabs. They're not Arabs. Again, they want their own land. Gotcha. But Iraq is telling them no. So anyway, 
this is where the craziest, my second talk about flights. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go to Jordan. Went to Jordan. A lot of people heard this story, but I went to Jordan um, just to see, like, one day, just to overview. And I said, how am I going to meet a Yazidi? How am I going to start? I've never met a Yazidi in my life. They live in a mountain. Even the people in Iraq hardly encounter Yazidis. Yep. So from Jordan, the next day I had to fly to Iraq on a small plane, which, again, my heart. <laughs> I always pray the rosary when it takes off to calm me down. So as I'm praying the rosary, um, I keep hearing this guy mumbling. This plane had maybe 150 people. By the way, there's only 3,000 Yazidis in all of America out of 400 million. So how do I know anything about them? There are 400 million Yazidis? No. No, no, no. no. There's... 700 maybe to 800 right, in right, Iraq. Right, right, Yeah, you said that. But yeah. there's a lot of them in Germany, in the 100, maybe 100 to 100,000, maybe less, I'm not sure. But in America, there's only 3,000. Okay. Most of them are in So I'm flying. It's a 45-minute flight from um, Amman to Arbil, a small flight. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not easy. <laughs> About 100, 150 people, so I'm praying the road. And this guy keeps mumbling, got on my nerves a little bit. So I got done, I started talking to him. Lord and behold, there's a Yazidi guy from America for the same mission. Wow. Same exact mission. So I said, I need to meet you the next day. So I met him the next day. He introduced me to a few of the Yazidi members. They put me, they they took me around and I visited. By that time, a month later, they started accepting the the girls back because the international community put a lot of pressure Pressure on them. There was pressure from the inside within the community. A lot of Yazidis, most Yazidis are great people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them were putting pressure on the leader. You have to accept him. What do you mean you don't accept him? So anyways, I met, introduced me. I went and interviewed about six or seven of these girls that had escaped. Mm-hmm. And the stories that I tell you, they're horrific. I don't want to mm-hmm. yeah, share them not. here. So that was basically my second trip. And visiting our people during Christmas, it was beautiful. But it wasn't as nice as I thought because the Kurds had pretty much shut down the city. They were afraid of at Christmas, a lot of our Christians would get attacked, and that's a black eye on them, right? Yeah. So I couldn't get around too much. I only went to two churches, and, and that was it. That was my pretty much basically my my second trip. And then later on, I went to the third trip. That's when I told you where we started the student to student. And then the fourth trip, I went to Lebanon. And that's another thing I kind of want to talk about, if you don't mind, where we get refugees here. We get calls into the churches, schools, and I'm sure you've dealt with it. They come in here not prepared. Yeah. Sometimes 11, 12 years old doesn't know how to speak, doesn't know how to write and write, read and write in any language. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a refugee in Lebanon, Turkey, so you're not allowed to go to school. And some it. of these refugees have been there, let's say, five, six, ten years. Mm-hmm. Your kid is not going to school for ten years. Where are they going to learn from? Yeah. So we thought maybe if we go to Lebanon and see if we can help them with the education. So we funded a couple of projects to teach kids you know, makeshift schools again, because Lebanon, as you see what's going on today, they don't have the funding to take all these kids into schools right. and, and things like that. So basically, I know I left a lot, and I know I'm talking too much, but that's no, no, basically that's the four trips. Great yep. information. That um, going back to the containers. Yeah, the containers and all. So when I visited Iraq, there it's a little bit different. What do I mean by that? Like the priest or whoever's taking care of the displaced like Father Douglas once said, I'm their priest, I'm their father, I'm their mother, I'm their father-in-law, I'm their administrator, I'm everything. Yeah. We would give them monetary help 
for, let's say, if it's an electric generator, a huge one, fixing bathrooms. But I saw something there. They have that socialist mentality. In America, when you run out of something, you get up in the middle of the night, go to Myers, go to 7-Eleven, whatever. Yeah. And there, the mentality is, I don't say nothing until they tell me. Like my first trip, if you remember, yeah. they were out of baby milk. Baby milk. Yeah. Nobody would say anything, so I'm calling this person and that person. You guys, yeah, we're just waiting for, have you called anybody? No, no. Wait, it's baby milk. You should be banging doors. Yeah. It's Dahoon or what was it? It's uh, When you're a socialist, you depend on the government for right, everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. You don't. I get so I start, I just did one post. I just wanted to help one area. <laughs> Believe it or not, I, I raised $21,000 mm. in one night when I was in Iraq on Facebook. <laughs> so we bought a lot of baby milk for them. Mm-hmm. So I saw a lot of things differently, how things work. Women, babies were kind of left out. You know how Chaldean women are. If her husband is struggling, she's not going to come to him and say, I need diapers for my baby or I need my feminine products, right? Yeah. And my biggest fear, us, our biggest fear, I should say, you send money into the hands of somebody. He's going to do good with it, but it's not necessarily allocated to where we want. Like, he's going to tell you, are you going to buy women feminine products and diapers when we have people that need shelter? Yeah. So that's where the idea was, donate the items here, and we will ship them. Mm -hmm. When you ship the items, they have to give it to the the woman. Here's the diapers. Here's the adult diapers to the older men. They can't just take it and sell it. They're not going to do that. So it goes directly to the need. Mm -hmm. So we've sent four shipments. The way it would work, he was involved. We would ask people to collect items. And the main things we collect, by the way, if anybody wants to donate, is diapers, adult diapers, feminine products, and school supplies. Those are the biggest needs. Um, What would happen is we would house them. Once we get a truckload, like a semi-truck load, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we would... Put it, well, thanks to the Arafat family, they don't like me to mention them ever, but I have to <laughs> for letting us, you know. And then now, of course, Chris with Socks and Glory, I think yeah. your cousin, yes. God bless him, helped us a lot. We would house it there. The truck would come in, take mm-hmm. it, put it on the ship. That would cost about 3500 to $4,000. Mm-hmm. It gets to Turkey. Marcin, Turkey is the city's name. Yep. Then you spend another 3500 to $4,000 to take a truck for seven days into Kurdistan. Mm. Well, the problem was it was costing us more. A lot of theft, unfortunately, on the yeah. way. Yeah. But God is great. I mean, we've sent four or five shipments, but then this guy calls me out of nowhere. Okay. He's an ex-military man. Mm -hmm. They have their own foundation, what they do, out of Arizona. These are all ex, whether it's Air Force, Marines. Mm -hmm. Are you able to drop that person's name? David Peters, but I forgot the name of the organization. It's really long, but he's going to come to speak, by the way, at at our event. Okay. So what happened, he goes, listen, what we do, we help people ship. Somebody gave me a phone number. The American Air Force would take it Hmm. for free. Wow. For free. And not only that, I know what's going to get there. There's not going to be theft, delays, right. or anything like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So Chris, of course, uh, with Socks and Galore, and then the Arafat family helped me a lot with the paperwork. It took a while because this is something different, and they mm-hmm. needed yep. things, and it's really difficult to get things from Iraq on paper and because they don't have the same setup as here. But it got done. Our first shipment got there on the plane. Our volunteers went, grabbed it. 
no customs, no nothing. I mean, I'm sure there's customs, yeah, but nobody right. can get their hands on and steal it. Because yep. one of the shipments we sent a lot of medical supplies, all of it was stolen. Oh, no. Crazy? I should say 90%. And their wow. containers are filled, brim. From, we yeah, fill from, them. From, I'm telling you, like, you're pushing to close the door <laughs> shut and lock it And up. this is a semi-load. That's yeah. great. With this one, you can send minimum this, maximum that. You don't have to send a container. Mm. So we began to collect a second uh, container. How great is that for free? It gets there within two weeks, not months. Yeah. And we get our hands on it right away. So the guy got his, you know, God bless him. He's going to come and speak on our December 5th. So we need donations right now. Items. Items. Yes. And if people want to donate, they can donate at St. Thomas Basement, right next to the elevator that we have a box Mm -hmm. that has a healthy rack. You can donate diapers, adult diapers, sanitary napkins, and... Mm -hmm. uh, school supplies or um even our office they can call the office 248-406-2052 and of course the chaldean ladies of charity are who's helping us house them this time yep um so that's in troy you can call them too or just message me if you have any questions we'll be with them next week too so they'll hopefully reiterate that and let people know perfect so that's that's as far as the containers because we know that items if you go to help your act page we posted yesterday you're going to see how people received all these supplies and and it's it's amazing it's an amazing uh program but again it's all the volunteers that are involved it's not one person so let's talk about the event how do people get involved in well jump them into what's in the event in 2015 he earned humanitarian award with us in our community (laughs) listen you got to give it and from there that's when he started well, rolling out like some of the stuff. It's that funny thing. you mentioned that. Remember, I told you my two biggest fears was public yes. speaking, and, <laughs> that, and I told people if I would have known oh, they were going to give me this award, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have went to Europe. Let me I tell you something. You, that's let let me tell you something. My arm got tired holding the camera. I videoed the whole thing, by the way. But I, I, I was. You did great. I was praying and praying every day that. Man, how am I going to get through this? Here yeah. I am. I've never done a speech. Yeah. Now you have to talk in front of 900 people. Yeah. A lot of dignitaries. Senators, and an emotional, uh, and an emotional, emotional speech. Time. It was it was yeah, it wasn't. So it was not easy. Yeah, I'm sure. But that award goes to everybody. Now, listen, I've learned a lot more. I've gotten a lot more out of the people there than any of the help that I've given them. That's beautiful. I mean, it reminded me how weak I was. I, t- I want to just share one thing with you that... Um, I've never ever cried on the spot when I've been to all my trips and saw all the devastation except yeah. one time. Mm. That's unbelievable. I went to this place, Chaldean group, and I, I said to my I know I've said this story over and over, I could never tell it enough, that there's about 500 people at this place we were uh, sponsoring through Adopt a Refugee and Help Iraq. And this guy comes on the microphone and says, I want everybody to gather. I thought they were going to pass out basic goods. I said, good, I want to interview people, mm-hmm. how it is. And lo and behold, that's not what happened. He said, Yalla, it's time to pray the rosary. These people were just displayed maybe two months prior with nothing but the shirt on their back. Yeah. They started praying the rosary from all their heart. They're praying. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If that was me, I'd be angry at God. Yeah, yeah. Everything I worked for, everything is done, and they're praising him. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what would we do here, honestly? Like, we would bitch and complain. Honestly, that's what we would do. I'm not going to lie to you. I would yeah. be angry. Yeah, we would bitch. I said, let me pray with them. That's great. First Hail Mary, I couldn't finish. I started bawling. Yeah. I'm out. I left. <laughs> I couldn't nice. take it. Yeah. So that showed me that how strong their faith is yeah. and yep. how weak I was. 
Yeah. Oh, there so you that's go. how we all are. So that's what I mean. Their faith, man, they live it. They live the faith. We can go to church. Yeah. We can do all of that. But Well, where would the they be without the faith yeah. right now? Amen. They, where would they, they be? would True. become Muslim. They would they convert would, because they, they want to save everything they have. There you go. Number one thing I learned in the most hardest times in life is your faith will get you through anything. And it really did. Anything. It really did. I mean, that's one thing I've learned when people talk about it. I said, there's a big difference with our persecuted Christians and other refugees. These people were forced. Just one village of Karakosh had 50,000 people in it. They could have stood and fought, but they don't believe in that. They don't believe in the blood. But God always finds... Like, when I was with Father Douglas, I'm sure all of you know you should Google Father Douglas Bazzi, his story, how he's kidnapped, all his teeth broken with yep. a hammer, his yep. back, it's, oh. a, it's crazy. Yeah. His name is Father Douglas mm-hmm. Bazzi. So when he came to America, I took him around a couple of times to speak at different places. And mm-hmm. I mean... And you say he's going to speak at this event? No, no, no. no, no. He's, he's, he's that's a, the one from the military is going to be oh, speaking. Okay, great, yeah. great. So this guy... He would tell people in all these speeches that if you dig in the Iraq ground, you would find more blood of martyrs than you would find oil. Mm. I mean, we've had martyrs throughout history. One thing he told me, I don't know. He goes, this ISIS thing is nothing new. He goes, in the last hundred years, it happened eight eight times. Eight times, but not to the scale. Yep. Eight right. times our Christians were forced one village to another. If all of us track our ancestors, you're going to see we hmm. had villages in Turkey yep. were forced out. He goes, he was from one village. His father was from one village. His grandfather was from one village. Because Jeez. they kept on getting yeah, forced yeah, out. Yeah. But God always finds. We came to America. Sure. Yeah. Look at how thriving our community is. Yep. Right? So, so that year when you ended up winning that and going through all that, the, the you know humanitarian award, I remember that year you ended up having your first event at Shenandoah. We did a, um, a live uh, uh, call to one of the families. You did it on the screen. I think that was the second or third event. The first okay. one we did was in Palazzo. Okay, you're right. You're right. I apologize. No, yep. no, no yep. problem. The second one was the... We uh, usually have six to 700 people, and every year we try to shrink it to have more space in that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So as of today, we've sold over, I want to say, 420 no, I'm sorry, 320 tickets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our goal is maybe five, 550, but if we reach 600, we're not going to stop people. Okay. It's an amazing event. Every year, a lot of it goes to the medical, like Mercy, the clinics. Sure. Like Mercy right now, it's kind of scaled back in Iraq until things settle because people are going back to villages and that. Mm-hmm. But we're also helping in Lebanon. We're helping in Jordan. In Lebanon, we have a lot of refugees with a lot of medical issues and then we also do a lot of um, uh, urgent cases Mm -hmm. if you follow our pages you'll see because again the hospitals in Kurdistan don't pay for that and these people already can you imagine being displaced living in a tent or in a rented house with two other families and on top of it your kid or your father has to deal with cancer oh my god and the government cannot help you they're limited because they're Kurds they don't they can barely help their own that's where we try to step in yeah, with people's a, help and donations. That's a death sentence. That's what this event is usually. We help a lot of cases like well, that. Where do they go about getting tickets for this event? Or how do they donate for this event? And uh, You can go there. I'm sorry to cut you off. You can go to helpirag.org. Mm-hmm. There's a specific donation page. Or donate 
is it donate.helpiraq.org. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the Help Iraq website, you'll go to the donate button. You'll see a button for the event, or you can message any of our social media yep. pages, or you can even message me, Rafi Dialdo, on Instagram or Facebook. Can they just walk into the event and donate no. that day too? Okay, everything. No, they pre- can donate, but they cannot buy tickets at the door. That's pre pre-sale is pre-sale. all pre-sale. We There's usually no- sell out way before, but okay. even if we don't, you know how Shenandoah is or any other club, yep. they want to know the count yep. mm-hmm. to do it. And by the way, the tickets are $1,000 for a table of 10, which includes dinner, appetizers, and drinks. Okay. That You can't beat that wow. in Shenandoah. Yep. Yep, that's, that's excellent. Big. And Carlos Cruz is helping us and other people, and I'm sure he's going <laughs> to talk to you guys at Shenandoah. Carlos. I do want to thank all the volunteers. I don't want to name names because I don't want to forget anybody. But mm-hmm. we have a... I do want to so you're going to forget them all I don't want to I can (laughs) just give love to all of them in one shot especially the help Iraq group that helps here's how it works with the surgeries we get a surgery case for example one of the great volunteers and those I I do want to name whether it's Renee Keiko's Nancy uh, Beba or uh, and Mace Gachi from Mother of God Church Dr. Tara and Dr. Salam Salam Khoshitara Elia one of them would call, get all the information. They speak the Arabic. They would tra- they would translate mm-hmm. from Arabic to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we would send it to our physicians to study it further. Mm-hmm. Is this? Sometimes we have to decide. God forbid, if somebody's, if there is no hope, we'll still try to give them help, but we cannot tie up a lot of money we don't right. have. Sure. Right. On one case, when we have a lot of cases, and of yeah. course, I want to thank all the CCC volunteers with us, especially, of course, Basil Bakai, which. I've been with it for a very long time. Great man. And all those people that volunteer. You guys are a great combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of people that do a lot of work before be, be behind the scenes, not just us. A lot of logistics. It's very hard, difficult, mm-hmm. but by God's grace, we get through it. Yeah. So Thursday, December fifth is the event. What yes. time does it start at? Seven o'clock. Oh, the doors open. I told okay. you I'm not good at details. No, no, no. You're I believe good. seven o'clock the doors or doors, and then cool. eight o'clock we have. We'll have, of course, a Chaldean band. Doesn't say what to expect. What do they? What do they then get out of the event? Dancing. You know, we keep it relaxed. Not too many speeches. We're gonna yep. bring this guy to speak. Okay. Which we want him to. It's good for our people sure. to see from the outside mm-hmm. point of view. Sure. Mr. David uh, Peters, who. Listen, it was costing us ten, fifteen thousand sometimes per yeah, shipment. Yeah, no, that's, sure. that's amazing. This is going to save savings. a lot of money, and it's a logistic nightmare that's going to help us. Yep, that is going to alleviate. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to just touch on something. I know we've gotten to the inter. I'm sorry, with the interview, we got to the event that we are helping promote and get the people there. Tell the people how difficult. Be, I mean, it's easy for the for these events. It's e- it's easy because we got the ability with what we do, right? We to have make the freedom, the luxury free, of to uh, do so. What our veterans from yesterday's yes, you know, have given us ability to, to us rejoice ability. and do yeah, things, right? Exactly. We'd tell, like to thank all the veterans. Absolutely, too, I love this country. Yep. I tell you, I'm sorry, country. It's you okay. Off. I just want to add that going to Iraq and seeing how life is there. Yep. You thank God we're oh, in yeah. this country. God thank bless God every America. day for this country. A million times. That's how you appreciate it. You can yep. complain all you want. You complain all you want. Go live yeah. there and you'll see how much restricted you are. Yep. Well, I'm sorry. It's okay. Don't yeah, be sorry. It's, it's, you have a lot of great. Listen, this is probably one of the interviews we could have taken it to two, three hours yeah. long. I'm <laughs> yeah, not going to yeah. lie to you. Um, what, I do want the, what, what I do want the viewers to know, which I didn't even understand working with you back then and even till now till you gave us an explanation, but. Please tell the people what a pain in the ass it is to get money from here to there to help them and from there to here to get back for the people that are leaving into the United States. The, 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 the wiring, the transpiring of money back and forth, 
tell people how hard it is and what you do. And maybe do. there's somebody out there that has a solution that to help could, us that, yeah. could, that could drop a, a solution. Yeah, there are. Yep. Well, hopefully, need some creative ways to get it there. Yep. Wiring money to the Middle East has become a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. This is all the restrictions and all the you know I don't want to get into the government sure. and the politics of yep. it, but hopefully we are resolving it. But one thing I want to make clear: yes, we have issues wiring money. But I get a lot of calls from people here. Yep. Oh, I have a cousin there. He can give you the money <laughs> there and just give me the money here. No, I'm sorry. You cannot do that. That's considered money laundering. The church can get in trouble. You can get in trouble. We can get in trouble. I will never do that. That's the easy way out, but it's illegal. Right. So please, and I say that with the kindest on your heart, yeah. don't suggest that to me. I don't care how dire the case is. I'm sorry. But we cannot jeopardize right. ourselves here. Is there a guideline for that, though? Like, how do they? How, like, I'm living in Iraq and ready to come to here for I freedom. I think you can bring it, but there's a tax issues. There's the IRS. Okay. They're going to tax you. I yep. don't know how these work. Yeah. You need to hire a lawyer Perfect. for that. That's what right. I want the viewers to, to know. You know what I'm saying? And Just the problem with Iraq, it's not like everything is cash. Most of the things are cash there, and it's not tracked. Yep. Bringing it here, I don't know how that works. I don't want to get involved in yeah. the business mm-hmm. or the personal No, but it's aspect. just it's a pain in the ass, and there's somebody out there that needs to help you do it the right way. You have to do it the right way. Yep. I will not accept it. We will not accept it. Right. We take money here, and, and they give us money there. That's called money laundering. It's really difficult, but mm-hmm. I just want to touch on We have a lot of difficult. In the last week alone, I've gotten four different calls for a few priests, and Turkey is a challenge in itself. In Turkey, I know we don't have much time. But no, no, you're okay. Keep going. Yeah, Turkey, yeah. When re- you have to go to a third country to declare yourself refugee before you can apply to go to America, Australia, to the Western world, mm-hmm. Canada. So a lot of our people go to Turkey, Lebanon, to the neighboring countries, right? Each one presents its own challenge. In Lebanon, it's safe, semi-safe, mm-hmm. but it's super expensive. And mm-hmm. you see they're riding now because of the yeah. cost going up. In Jordan, it's a poor country. It's also safe. But you can't even drive, can't even go to school, you can't work. And some people, a lot of people are stuck there for years and years and years. Mm. In Turkey, the Turkish government's mentality, we don't put you all in one place for two reasons. One, if you put a lot of people of the same sector, same religion in one place, they might, they might do stay. a rising and <laughs> yeah. become a political. Yep. Or for the Christians, it's easy for them to get attacked if they're yeah. all in one place. Yeah. So what do they easy do? They target. disperse them. Turkey's a huge country. So the, what they would do is 50 families, let's say in Florida, 60 families in Chicago, 20 families in Arkansas. So we don't have a, one place for them to gather mm-hmm. to worship. Uh, the priests there asked for help. They want to do First Communion to all these kids, and it's very mm-hmm. challenging. He has to wow. go to different areas. Then you have to rent halls to makeshift churches, mm-hmm. celebrate mass. It's really difficult, these logistics. So however people want to help and can help, your help is really, really needed. You don't see a lot of that. In Lebanon, they need help with schooling. We're going to help. Uh, there's an amazing program through our churches back there. We're going to help them with about ten to $20,000 to get about 250 kids at least to go to school. Again, because it's expensive renting a hall oh, and that. Sure. I know I'm taking too much. No, no, you're, no, good, you're no. not at all. I can say you, you, listen. You I not, left a lot out, by the way. I'm sorry look, if I did. No, we, we listen, we know, we know you did, but you gave the more important stuff that we needed to hear. Mm-hmm. 
the critical points, the points of how we can help our people, the continuous help, and it's strength in numbers. Obviously, you're a single man in the sense of doing this, but you, you're getting a, a lot of help from the community. But let's be honest, you could still use a lot more. Yes, I mean, people can message. And they do ask me a lot. It's kind of difficult until we resolve the wiring issue. But volunteering here, yeah. mainly for collecting items to ship, there's not much to do on this side. Mm -hmm. And even there, they ask me, I want to volunteer back there. Honestly, they have a lot of people that can do a lot of the work there. Like I said, a lot of these people that are displaced, they're like you, me and you, and yeah. a lot mm -hmm. of my businessmen, teachers, doctors. Yep. They right. can do the work. They just need the support. Yep. And I'll tell you, the number one thing people can do is pray, 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 pray. A lot of times when we get these calls needing help, they say, even if you don't help us, as long as we know that you guys, people care about us, that means the world. Right. I'll just share one quick story. Yep. This mm -hmm. young mother had two daughters that we've helped years ago. They both had some type of disease similar to leukemia. She goes, I prayed to Jesus, at least give me one and take the other one. We yep. ended up, it was a really difficult case. We helped both of them. Mm -hmm. But she goes, just by you giving me the encouragement, it meant the world for her. That's how their days, as long as they know there's somebody out there. Yep. Just, just curious. I know this is, I just want to know because of what you've seen. You lived there, so you can maybe answer this. Were we better off as Christians when Saddam was there? And will it ever be like that possibly for us in Iraq? Here's a problem. I, again, I don't want to get into politics. No, not politics. Just Technically, you look back now, yes, we were mm -hmm. better off. But the problem is he's not going to live forever. Sure. Yep. And then people will come back and get you because you supported Saddam. Because technically he protected you. You took his side. Yep. So they'll come after us in vengeance. Eventually. Yeah, makes like sense. Like I said, Father Douglas said, this happens all the time, yeah, displacement. Yeah. Anytime the government is gone, mm -hmm. religion takes over, we're under threat. Yep. Sucks, man. Is there anything yeah, that yeah. we um, missed that we would need for this event or ways of helping that you want to maybe just give the viewers um, as we're closing out the interview? Just, I mean, we know, like I said, helpirag.org is your main funnel that gives you a lot of avenues to see. But what other other things can you ask for help before, you know, before we... Well, first, I really, really want to thank Bishop Francis for his leadership and guidance. Without him, I don't know where we would all be. He's an amazing, amazing man and all mm -hmm. the clergy yep. and all the churches and all the support. Without them, we couldn't be doing this. We should always thank them. I know sometimes they catch flag for not helping, but they do help. Mm -hmm. They do promote us. And, and God bless all our churches, our, our church, I should say, as mm -hmm. one, but especially Bishop Francis. Any way you can help. When people ask me, I always ask a couple of questions. What are you talented at? Are you a good writer? Mm -hmm. You know, are you a lawyer? Are you a banker? Where's your talent that we can use? Okay. Or what is your passion? Not necessarily your talent. Mm -hmm. Is your passion helping the elderly in education? Kids, focus on that. Yeah. That's what I tell people. Yeah, Any way you can yeah. help, it's not just by donating, like sure. I said. Prayers, educating. One thing, if we can, those that yeah. we did for years ago when I was at Master Day, I remembered this. Yeah, we didn't We're talk giving about them free. That. Give them to non-Chaldeans. This is the whole DVD mm. about the persecuted church of Iraq, the history. It'd be great 
if even some of the schools show yeah. their classes and that. It's an amazing DVD and now about our church. You're giving that away for free? Yes. Well, and I mean, we don't have so many of them, but if we can so give it to schools. And, so and, your goal is to get that out to the public, right? Get it for, to the just public. For people to see it. So do you. Do you ha- is it on YouTube where somebody can watch um, it? I don't know, but you can call ECRC. I have still I can find out for sure. you to promote. I mean, if you it. want someone to upload it for you somewhere, we can we can help with that. That would be great if we can. This is great if you watch this. On yeah, we can put app. this on our Keeping Up with the Calians, and you guys can just do what you do and yeah, put it right on the page, put it right on our channel. We can to give the schools to show it, and we've had few schools. Show oh, nice! It. It's amazing. We yeah, we'll get the it out there. We'll definitely get it out. It's there. a history of our church. And well, it's we're, just we're, you guys we're, are promoting Calians. Yeah. Well, we'll give. We got to give. I mean, Al Zara was a big part of it, so Absolutely. we'll definitely give the him some. The whole production yep, team is, yep, is part of that. Yep, yep. Al Zara is my friend. Yeah. And for those who don't know, when this came about, this came about around the same time with the the sign and symbol. But this is your help, Iraq org, you got a lot of ability to see this. You see this on cars. You see this on Magnus and places and whatever. But, but I do want to say something. When I heard Anthony wants to interview me. I thought he wanted me to come in as a model because I know he owns a modeling agency. I get tricked all the time. Well, yeah. you know, we, tried, yeah, yeah. we, we, we got the other studio set up for after. Don't I know, worry. but they said keep out when I tried to walk in. <laughs> you should have told him I'm a hand model. <laughs> yes, yes. Want to ask him the Love question? You guys. Thank any you, questions? Any yeah, um, this is probably so we're gonna have you back for sure. Yep. This, we got we got a lot more information. We got to squeeze willing. out of that, squeeze out God of that head. Willing. We know how much you love it, but we have to ask it because yeah. we like to end every interview with the question Anthony's got for you. What's what does it mean to you to be Chaldean? Blessed. Yep. I'm happy. I'm blessed. I love it. I've always been so pro. Chaldean, and this is not a knock on any other Christian. Please, no. you know, this is the problem with this country. When you say I love something, they assume you don't like right. anything. Yeah. I'm just blessed. Seriously, we are a unique community. Mm-hmm. I see yeah. it in churches. I see it. Even like we always would worry, oh my God, we're going to lose a young generation. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've seen a lot stronger than I was growing up. Good. Yeah. Honestly, I see through the now through the churches. Outside of that, I don't know, but. The strong bond, the strong faith, the strong, and they're more determined to be Chaldean more than me or anybody yeah. else. Like they tried to speak in Chaldean and work Chaldean this and tell me about it. I love it. Yeah, I'm beautiful. blessed. I mean, you know what? Again, we're peaceful people. I mean, nobody goes without faults. Let's right. get no. that Let's out. Put there. a little Hennessy in our system. Right? Yeah. It's different. I'm with but you. But <laughs> living in Iraq all these years, you don't see Chaldean terrorists. You don't see. You know, we, right. I always tell people we care about three things as Chaldeans. Our faith, our family, our business. Mm-hmm. Hardly politics, hardly anything. Sometimes we abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Like business, somebody working 20 hours a week and neglecting the family. Yeah. But if you balance it, what more do you want from me? Seriously, yeah. what more? Honestly. I mean, Very we're true. a strong community. Um, I've always been a pro-Chaldean, pro and I've caught a lot of flack for that. Like I said, because people take it the negative that you know, way. Like, yeah. yeah, they're the jealous people, that's all. Well, I don't know. I don't want to go that far. I, but I, I do. <laughs> but honestly, I am just so proud. I love what you're doing. We're, prou- we're proud of you too, man. Oh, yeah, very it's proud. Like, it's yeah, a team effort. Yep, it's yep. A team. I love you guys. Cool. Well, if anybody wants us, Anthony, like he was saying, we're going to be loading it up. It'll be available we'll somewhere. It out somehow. Yep, yep, we'll figure it out. But if for the meantime, if anybody wants it, feel free to private message or dm anthony i will send a copy out to you guys or stop by the office here and we'll get one to you all future interviews we'll be happy to give them for you that'd be great and then we'll get them out there so again i'm sorry if i forgot to thank anybody but 
They know. They they know. Trust me, they know. The Mercy team does amazing. All these physicians, uh, doctor, refugee teams. We will. uh, We'll definitely have you back. Yeah, can't wait to hang out with you December fifth. Can't wait to see all of you December fifth. Yep. It's awesome having you, Rafa. Thank Thank you. you, Thank you for everything you you do. Peace out, fellas. Bye bye. And ladies.